Denver has an air pollution problem, and the world has a climate change problem. All those fancy RTD trains should help fix that, right? If we really want to see a better city, a better world, we have to change. I'm Nathaniel Miner, host of CPR's podcast, Ghost Train. In this show, I take a deep look at how transit could fix big issues our cities are facing, if we let it. Follow Ghost Train wherever you get your podcasts. Just a quick note. This episode contains strong language and a racial slur. I was actually done monitoring the parking lot, and I was standing at the crosswalk fence to the parking lot area where the crossing guards helped the kids cross. Um, And I was talking to another mom. A woman pulls in kind of late, and I didn't really notice her at first. And finally, I realized that I'm hearing her say stuff. If this sounds familiar, you're right. You may remember Melissa Hall from a previous episode of Systemic. She's the black parent and school volunteer who is on the receiving end of some hateful racially motivated abuse at an elementary school in Colorado Springs in November 2021. Driving the truck that day was Ashley Boise, a 31-year-old married white woman with two children. She jumped out of the truck and without any provocation, attempted to hit another parent in the school parking lot. And I yelled, hey, you can't put your hands on people. She went on to say, "Um, I'll fucking spit on you. I said, okay. I said, I understand that you're upset. I said, but there are lots of children here and I can't have you using that kind of language around your children or other people's children. She said, I don't give a fucking shit about anybody else's goddamn kids except for my own. She gets in her car and I said, I think at that point is when I told her, hey, I'm recording you. So I start recording her and I said, hey, you're being recorded. She tries to run me over with her car as I'm getting the phone on. So I jumped back up over the curb Other parents are just trying to get their kids and get the heck out of there. And it's at that point that she says to me, Yes, thank you for fucking move. You're being recorded. I don't care. You're just mad because I'm a fucking white and you're a fucking Did you just call me a You're a fucking angry ass bitch. Melissa reported it to the police. This story is about what happened next. And how a new provision to Colorado's hate crime statute was tested. Did this new amendment to the law deliver justice? And can a law really change Ashley Boise's view towards black folks? Being white in this country has gotten really hard. From Colorado Public Radio, this is a special bonus episode of Systemic, a series that tells the stories of those who fight injustice as they attempt to dismantle the status quo. I'm Joe Erickson. I've got to say, going back to this story was harder than I imagined. Suddenly, I was forced to relive a trauma I experienced when I was called the N-word. I still shudder thinking about it. I can never forget the way that word was used. The menace and the animosity 
both in tone and action, led me to flee a situation because somebody hated the colour of my skin. Now I'm looking at Melissa's experience and she did something I couldn't. She took a stand and she did it by helping her abuser. In December 2021, Melissa went to the police. I just knew that she had the daughter in the same classroom as my child. But I knew immediately that, you know, I had to actively participate, actively contribute, and really try to figure out what was the best thing to do here. As for Ashley, her deepest regret was that her daughter lost a friend. Melissa was the mother of one of my daughter's friends at the time, who she unfortunately is no longer friends with. And I apologized to my daughter. I was like, baby, I'm so sorry that I might have cost you your, your friendship with your friend. I was like, I'm so sorry. That's not right for me as a mother to have done that to you. Colorado Springs Police Department sent an officer from the Victims Assistant Unit to visit Melissa and the school to discuss the charges and what to expect next. The school took measures to ban Ashley from entering the school premises, leaving the police to decide what they should charge Ashley. Eventually, they charged Ashley with disorderly conduct and harassment. And if she was found guilty of harassment, Ashley could face some jail time. If this sounds harsh, it's meant to be. I would hate for her to have to go to jail. I'm not a person who's for, like, incarcerating people, right? Like, what does that do to her on the back end with her children, with her life, with her having a job and all these other pieces? Like, I know that despite the levels of hate that she showed, I can continue to have that capacity to extend that grace and mercy. So Melissa went to bat for the other team. She pleaded with the courts to keep Ashley and her children together. Before I tell you what happened next with these two women, it's worth taking a look at this new amendment to the law that has made this case possible. And the best person to tell you is Democratic Representative Mike Wiseman, one of the co-sponsors of Colorado's Bias Motivated Crime Statute 2021. He saw a problem. I was just in a, a discussion convened by the Attorney General and Senator Fields at the Attorney General's office before the holiday break, we have big problems of underreporting of bias-motivated crime uh, for some pretty complex reasons. Um, so for every crime that we know is happening, that has come to the attention of law enforcement, that is being handled in the criminal legal system, there's a lot more out there that is happening that is harming people that isn't even captured in the data. He noticed that bias-motivated crime statutes were more successful in convicting offenders of violent hate crimes and bias-motivated murders. But when it comes to bias-motivated misdemeanors, the courts couldn't quite get this law to work. So Wiseman needed to make some changes. The problem was some 
offenders were managing to beat uh, a, a criminal consequence by saying that, uh, you know, by arguing basically what we came to call mixed motives. Oh, I wasn't trying to beat up so-and-so because of his race. I just wanted to take his wallet or his laptop or something like that. Wiseman closed the loophole. So now, since the effective date of law in 2021, uh, if if somebody goes and beats somebody up and, and they yell epithets and there's evidence that it was was bias-motivated harassment or bias-motivated uh, other crime, again, based on the defined characteristics, race, color, religion, ancestry, national origin, disability, uh, or sexual orientation, even if there was another motive to steal property, uh, to take somebody's money, whatever, you're still going to face consequences for the bias-motivated uh, harassment or crime, and you should. Why does this matter? Well, as a defendant, you may want to face a Class 3 misdemeanor, which could be as little as a $50 fine and a few months in jail, rather than a bias-motivated crime, which is a Class 1 misdemeanor with heavier fines and potentially 364 days in jail. When Wiseman was amending the law, he was designing it to help victims like Melissa. Her case is one of a few to use the Colorado Bias Motivated Crime Statute in her harassment charge. Charging a person is one thing. Getting a conviction, well, in this case, it should have been easy. After Ashley failed to turn up in court in May 2022, and after her attorney filed a motion to quash failure to appear warrants, Ashley Boise and Melissa finally appeared in court in August 2022. What should have been a routine plea with either a trial or sentencing turned into a courtroom drama. Melissa remembers Ashley walking up to the stand looking agitated and distracted that day. Though she was five foot seven in height, she seemed tiny and frail. The long sleeve top couldn't hide her tattoos on her arms and hands, and her long black hair looked like it'd been pulled back hastily. You know, and her public defender was basically doing their job. You know, get your client under control. Listen, I think because of her responses and her behavior and her theatrics of crying in the courtroom and protesting, we had to like have a court recess and come back like an hour plus later. You know, that's taxing on you mentally. It's just exhausting. Despite all of this, Melissa stood up in court and asked the court not to send Ashley to jail, not to separate mother and child. My initial push was for her to get restorative justice because I felt like that would be a space and experience where maybe she could have some exposure um, and maybe learn, you know, because I don't know that we can change a racist, bigoted person. Um, I would hate for her to have to go to jail Judge Sam Burney deferred the case and in November 2022, Ashley pleaded guilty to disorderly conduct 
and harassment. The judge ordered Ashley to pay $270 in fines, write a letter of apology, and complete a course on diversity, equity, and inclusion. To make sure Ashley didn't repeat this behavior, Judge Bernie added a suspended sentence of 60 days in jail and 12 months unsupervised deferred sentence. So all Ashley had to do is write a letter, pay a fine, go on a course, and this whole matter is over. Okay, sounds simple. In August 2023, Ashley and Melissa were back in the same court. This time, Ashley reached out to Melissa via social media with a type of written apology. At first glance, the three-page apology seemed sincere. Ashley explained the circumstances of her actions, her sobriety since the parking lot incident, but one word was missing. Sorry. Even if it had been just, I'm so sorry, my behavior was absolutely unacceptable, Um, what I did was wrong, Um, you know, it could have just been three simple sentences. It's not the length and the amount of verbiage that you put in something. It's the sincerity. The judge agreed, and Ashley still hadn't paid her fines or even started her course. So it came down to one more chance for Ashley to complete the judge's orders or she'll be facing the prospects of spending Christmas in jail. And this time, Melissa would not be able to intervene. I remember driving to Colorado Springs. All the music channels were playing Christmas songs. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. It's the 22nd of December. The radio host announced that there's only two more shopping days till Christmas, as if we needed more reminders. I arrive at El Paso County Combined Court with only moments to spare. My bags were screened and I ran up the stairs to the second floor. Court was in session at 8.30. It's 8.32. I enter courtroom E. I saw Melissa sitting in the front row of seats. She's dressed in smart grey slacks and a crisp white shirt. It was the first time I'd seen Melissa with her natural afro hair loose around her face and dropping to the middle of her back. She turns and looks at me as if to say, Ashley isn't here. I sit, waiting patiently. The courtroom is packed. For anyone who hasn't been in a courtroom, it isn't like the crime shows you see on TV where the prosecutor and defendant battle it out. Well, that was not my experience. Most of the defence attorneys were in the corridors hammering out plea deals. Then, 
one by one, defendants appeared before the judge with plea deals for the judge to either accept or deny. It's 9.03. Still, no Ashley. As a plea deal breaks down because they need a translator, Ashley arrives. We sit together. She seems stressed. I was nervous as hell. (laughs) I was nervous because I ran out of gas and I was late. But I was also nervous because even though I got everything done, I was scared that I was going to be in jail for Christmas. So like, and I have two kids. So that was not, not what I wanted at all. Ashley was called to the stand. Her attorney said she had completed all the judge's orders and handed over the letter of apology to the judge. The judge asked Ashley to tell her about what she'd learnt on this course. Ashley talked about the statistics and the barriers that black folks faced. She also said that she had learnt white privilege. The judge told Melissa to stand. She acknowledged Melissa's grace in this case and issued a strong warning to Ashley not to reoffend. It took less than five minutes to close this case. After it was all over, I spoke to Ashley in a noisy corridor filled with attorneys and clients talking. Can you read out a little bit about the, the apology? Yes, um, I had written two technically. This new one that I had turned into the judge, it reads, Dear Melissa, as I sit down to write this, I'm filled with mixed emotions. Reflecting on the past can be both sobering and enlightening. In 2021, I found myself in a place that was far removed from where I am today. It was a time marked by struggles with addiction, compounded by the fact that my husband, too, was battling similar challenges and eventually ended up in prison. Amidst this turmoil, I made choices I deeply regret, and the tum- and in that tumultuous period, I directed hurtful words towards you. I can't express how sorry I am for the pain that I caused you during that time. When somebody gets angry, we naturally reach for those fuck shit words. You went for the N-word. Yeah, that was the very last thing I said as I was pulling away, like pulling my car and like leaving. That was the very last thing I said to her. So that's kind of where that is. Like everyone I've told this story, they look at me, they're like, Ashley, you don't talk like that. I'm like, I know, I know. And I even told like my video game friends, they're like, Ashley, you don't do that. I'm like, I know. Well, and unfortunately that day, I had just gotten denied to visit my husband in prison. So on top of that emotion, it just did not go well. (laughs) I probably shouldn't have been the one to pick up my daughter that day. (laughs) I was not in a good mental state. The training that you did, you you talked about that um, you felt that you learned um, about being... um, 
white you learned about white privilege which and I make a joke all the time I'm like I don't necessarily experience white privilege I make a joke and I was like I experience pretty pretty privilege <laughs> because that's how I feel like I've gotten a lot of things that I want in life by being pretty and smiling at some dumb guy <laughs> so that's like the privilege I personally have learned to live with when I pushed her on the issue of white privilege being a societal privilege that benefits white folks. She said this. And I can definitely see that. However, I do think that with the with everything going on in our country, that they are trying to make examples of the white men um, to show, like, we're not prejudiced. Like, the white guys are going to do just as much time as the black guys. And I say that because my husband's white and a bunch of my friends who are white have been given longer jail sentences than they probably would have been if we were a few years earlier. And I think that it's not fair. And being white in this country has gotten really hard. (laughs) I came away thinking, did anything change? The judge went to a lot of trouble to add an education component to sentencing. I could see that the judge wanted Ashley to have a greater understanding of what it's like to be black and help eradicate this type of harassment. I'm not sure we moved the needle. As for Melissa, was it worth the two years it took to close this case? I feel like it was bigger than me. You know, my understanding is she's the first person in the state of Colorado to be charged with that, that hate crime law, that um, the way that it's laid out, you know, the new criminal coding or whatever that they had for this. And so for me, it was really kind of thinking about like how many hundreds, thousands of people of color for, you know, hundreds of years have those experiences felt that fear, you know, um, experienced other things in addition to that and never had the opportunity to ever see any potential kind of justice. Just, you know, I mean, it really, it really made me really think, you know, like it is, it is a horrendous thing that happened uh, more times than we'll ever know. And those people, our ancestors, our family members never lived, you know, a lot of them to see the day. So I just felt like I had a responsibility to to be present, to see it through. I had, you know, to to think about people who fought for for, you know, racial equality and all of these pieces. Some of those people didn't even live to see this. So I, I, I guess, again, and just in a short sense, it was bigger than just that. If you want to hear more about Melissa's story, check out Systemic Episode, No Equity, No Voice. This bonus episode of Systemic was reported and written by me, Joe Erickson. It was produced by Kibwe Cooper and Emily Williams and mixed by Kibwe Cooper. Find a complete list of everyone who worked on the podcast in the show notes. Systemic is a production of Colorado Public Radio, part of the NPR Network.
Hey, it's Joe. Since you listened to the whole episode, I have a quick favor to ask you. Take a moment to find Systemic from Colorado Public Radio on whatever podcast app you use and give us a like, a rating, or a review. If you think the stories we're sharing are important, if you think the voices in Systemic deserve to be heard, all you have to do to help spread the word is like us, rate us, or review us. It helps others find this podcast. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting podcasts from Colorado Public Radio.